is Off The Books Podcast. They're not your average sports junkies. Now let's get this money. <laughs> off The Books. Off The Books. We Off The Books. We in the building. We back. Episode 3. We here, doggy. Hey, man. We back live. Better than ever. Feel like we just getting better each time, dog. Hey, first things first, I gotta get out. I gotta get this out the way, man. Who do you think you are coming in the studio with a hood on, man? Who you supposed to be, Hoodie Mellow? Man, call your boy Hoodie Judah. <laughs> you ain't dropping no buckets, man. <laughs> I'm dropping bucket lyrics, boy. Bucket words out here. Bucket knowledge. You know how we giving it up today, but man, it feel good to be back in the lab, back talking that shit. It's been far too long. Way too long, man. I mean, I feel like we owe the people an apology for for the last you know week and a half, two weeks now. You know what I'm saying? People, we did have some personal stuff going on. You know what I'm saying? We done got it together now. You all know how life is. Let's keep it real. I'm about to bust in that um, Ruben Studdard. That's sorry for 2004 shit. <laughs> you feel me? <laughs> but nah, yeah, we back, man. We back in the slab. We got a lot of shit to talk about. A lot of shit. So first things first, let's talk about what everybody in the sports world is talking about. It's a little bit cliche, but fuck it, let's talk about it. So we have these damn anthem protests in the NFL, you know, caused by our president. Oh, excuse me, your president. <laughs> excuse me, they president. <laughs> Trump, who, uh, you know, kind of made some remarks about NFL players not standing for the anthem. Um, quote, unquote, called them sons of bitches. Hey man, get your man's B. <laughs> Boy, when you when you resort to that type of language, you are trying to go at somebody's jugular. I mean, it's uh, I mean these protests are, I don't know, man. I, if you really wanna, you know, talk that shit and kind of really wanna make a point, you know what I do? I would take all the black players from the league and let's make our own league. Hell, we make up 70% of the league already. Mm-hmm. Why not go and make a, a BFL, a black football league or whatever? Well, hell, it's already NFL. It's already Negro football league, seem like. <laughs> let's, let's, let's keep the fad going. But nah, on a more serious note, I mean, uh, it's just it's getting crazy now, man. I mean, the only real way to hit them where they deserve it, you got to hit the sponsors. You got to hit them pockets, man. You know what I mean? As much as I love football, if you really want to make it count, hell, refuse to play. Get on, Go on that field. You know what I mean? I mean, what's your thoughts on it? Man, I personally feel like the protests, you know, we have to go back to the whole origin of this to really figure out what's going on, why we really feel the way we feel. And it's really all about Colin Kaepernick. And, you know, I really love what this man is doing. I love the way he did it. But at the same time, I feel like, don't you just feel like if had he not won the pig socks, had he not won the Castro stuff, had he not been a real, you know what I'm saying, then then we could have really gotten somewhere. This could have been extremely powerful. The, the, the critics wouldn't have had the ammo they have. And, you know, everything is just a trickle-down effect from there, it seems like. And now, you know, we're dealing with the consequences of the most reckless president in history, and, you know, he has a target now. It was only a matter of time. I think everybody saw this coming. I mean, dude's just a real calculated dude. I mean, 
he definitely has ulterior motives behind what he's doing. I mean, that's definitely obvious. You know what I'm saying? He's definitely trying to get a rise out of people mm-hmm. and uh, create a uh, division and stuff like that. But my main thing is, you know, why now? You know what I'm saying? Like, um, Kaepernick was sitting, basically sitting by himself or kneeling by himself for the anthem. Now, all of a sudden, you know, it's almost like the popular thing to do now. Like, hey, um, let's rebel against what the uh, president is saying. Uh, we're being oppressed against. Hell, if y'all really feel that way, uh, like I said, hit them where it hurts, man. Hit them pockets. You know what I'm saying? We already got people, you know, that's boycotting the NFL mm-hmm. or whatnot. And matter of fact, I just read something the other day was saying um, a lot of them, Americans are canceling the NFL Sunday ticket because of what they saw Sunday. I mean, this is really dividing uh, America up, bro. I mean, I don't really think that those people that are canceling their subscriptions, they can't be real fans. I'm going to tell you that right now. I mean, I, I don't want to sound like that guy that's not calling a person a fan, but if you, if you are canceling your subscription to the best, you know, primetime type material that's not primetime, if you are getting that and you're canceling it, you're just showing me that, you know, you never really were that big of a fan to begin with. And on top of that, you know, you're getting mad at the opening credits. Get this through their head. You know, get this through your head, people. Some people are getting mad at the opening credits in a movie. It's, I mean, it's, it's just crazy, bro. I, I mean, just the whole thought of it, like, where did this come from? You know what I mean? If, if you want to be real, I mean, I don't think kneeling is actually disrespect. Of the people who served, you know, for our freedom, quote unquote, salute to y'all. So there's no disrespect to that. It's simply, you know, shedding light on the oppression of our people, mm-hmm. of, of people of color, of minorities. That's simply what it's a uh, credit to. It has nothing to do with the military. You know, everybody's trying to associate it with uh, it's disrespectful to people who serve for us, who die for us. I don't know about you, but I had people serve in the military. My grandfather was an Army vet. Oh, yeah, my pops is a Marine. Your pops is a Marine, you know what I'm saying? And didn't your pops, if I'm not mistaken, show support for Kaepernick? He did. Yeah. He did. So that just lets you know, like, the real people who's, you know, fighting for us and, and um, putting their lives on the line know exactly what they're fighting for, which is freedom of speech. And that's simply what they're doing now. In the same note, Lena got me kind of ticked that you know he's easily calling these uh, football players, um, you know, spoil and sobs. But mm-hmm. what about these uh, liberals who's tearing up the streets? They're fine and, people, though. Uh, you know, liberals. You mean Republicans and everybody, pretty much, uh, other than what he's talking about. I think you got the the liberals and the and the conservatives mixed up, but. That's how it is nowadays okay. with the whole TV shit. You know, we don't really know who's who's who anymore. But at the same time, I mean, just going back to the protest, uh, we should be, you know, really focusing on what the real issue is. And, you know, I was talking to one of my coworkers today, and he was like, man, people don't even talk about the real point out here. He was like, this man is taking a knee at America's symbol. It is really the true symbol of what, you know, the people of color in this country have been doing, which is essentially taking a knee. Since 1776, we've been taking a knee for everybody else to succeed in this country. You know, all we want, all people want, all everybody wants is to be equal and have the same chance to do the same things. Now, we'll see how life keeps going as these years keep going. You know, maybe Trump is just a a test 
it, it has to get better, right? I mean, if it gets worse, you know, God bless our soul. <laughs> I think, I think, unfortunately, it, it may get worse before it gets better. But you know what I'm saying? I think we're ready for whatever. But I was thinking earlier, like, I don't even think Kaepernick should even come back to football. I feel like now his purpose is more of what it is now, of what he's representing and what he's been representing as far as taking a knee, standing up for the, you know, oppression and stuff like that. They're actually thinking about putting him in that um, museum, the one in D.C., the African-American Museum. Mm-hmm. I heard news that broke that they're talking about putting him in the museum. And I'm like, yo, that's dope. That's real dope because, you know, he's definitely part of history now. But if I was him, you know, I wouldn't even – Come back to football Now your purpose You know what I'm saying You see what it's grown to You know what I mean It's causing such controversy He started it last year Not everybody doing it this year Simply off You know What he did last year mm-hmm. And definitely trying to Share light too So I definitely think He should be an activist And just kind of keep going Pushing the movement You know what I mean We and gotta support him though You know what I'm saying He's losing a salary If he's not playing in the NFL I don't think he's a part of that Whole company or a pension thing since he didn't like officially retire. Now, if he if he announces his retirement, you know, then we might have you know something to kind of go with as far as how he would continue to make a living. I'm sure he would make some money doing speeches, appearances, things like that. But honestly, people, it's gonna be up to us to take care of Colin Kaepernick now. I mean, which is a fact, man. Uh, each one, teach one. Um, end of the day, we are brothers keeper. Um, like I said, we definitely, you know, to kind of. Piggyback on your point Definitely need to get behind them You know And get rocking and rolling You know what I'm saying Because at times like this I mean we need each other You know what I'm saying To lean on Or whatever the case may be But end of the day Man I mean I guess what People gonna keep kneeling and stuff But it's not gonna really change Is Ray Lewis gonna kneel again? Oh I got a lot to say about uh, Your boy Ray Ray Let's go ahead and get into Ray Ray Your boy Ray 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 Lewis Ray Lewis And let me just get this out of the way Ray I salute you and I respect you He's a Hall of Famer right mm-hmm. In my opinion He's the second best linebacker To ever play the game Beside uh, Lawrence Taylor yeah, That's true uh, You would agree with that yep. Same guy who said You know Oh I would never kneel I would never get on my knees For the anthem I would never kneel Dude was on both knees <laughs> 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 I'm, Go ahead Praying I am, man. I just praying, talking about, and it's funny. I was watching Undisputed. Uh, shout out to that show. You know, I was watching Undisputed and Shannon kind of touching light on, and um, Ray was actually got mad at Shannon for calling him out. Mm-hmm. Dude was like, I was praying. You didn't see me on TV? I was praying. And it, I mean, it's cool, Ray, man. I mean, listen, man. End of the day, we the ones who supported you. Hey, when you caught that murder rap, let's just be honest. And we the ones who's always been behind you, man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't got to explain yourself, man. You you know your people being oppressed. Take that nil, my brother. Take that nil, man. Like, Ray, you know, it's funny to witness the the evolution of Ray Lewis after he finished football. You know, he became someone that you really wanted to idolize. He would say the right things. He would do the right things. But it would always seem like he would say, you know, stuff at the wrong times. It's like what he was saying wasn't wrong. Like I understand what he was telling Kaepernick to do to take the take the issue off the protest, blah blah blah, you know. But Ray, let's Ray, let's come on, boy. Like, how are you gonna criticize the movement that much, and then join the movement? Now, like he said, you know, we've been behind you. The people been behind you. 
I even think that a lot of, you know, white America likes Ray Lewis. But you still got 24,000 signatures waiting to get your statue removed. You feel me? And that's, that was my next point. All these people waiting to get your statue removed. You trying to uh, appease all these people by, um, I guess, portraying this image, this, um, you know, good, clicky, clingy guy, kind of clean guy, trying to kind of play both sides of the fence image. But now you see what I kind of got you, you know what I mean? End of the day, you are what you are, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many rings you in the organization, no matter how popular you are. At the end of the day, you're still, still a bl- black. You're still a black man in America, my brother. You know that, and that's not gonna change, man. It's not. It's not, Ray. You know what I mean. So just, uh, just keep it real, man. I mean, Ray will remember this. He will remember how this all went down. We will. This is. <laughs> Folks, this will be talked about. What you're looking at, what you're witnessing right now over the NFL over the last two years, really ramping up this year, this will be talked about in the next 10 to 15 years. And we will look back like the NFL was lucky to make it or a lot of people stopped watching the NFL. And it's crazy, though, man. I mean, like the fact that we even in here talking about this, that this is a popular uh, topic, you know what I mean, that actually kneeling for a football game you know, for the anthem, which is freedom of speech, which is, if you want to be honest and clear, back in the day, they never even came on the field for the anthem. The teams used to stay in the locker room, like, for the entire anthem, and then come out, you know, after the anthem back in the day. So now, all of a sudden, you know, it's, it's this whole big deal that you're disrespecting the flag or whatnot. Man, come on, man. Let's, let's be real. Man, we talking about disrespect. Like, let's really think about it, folks. If people were really disrespecting the anthem, what's the most disrespectful thing you can do besides not participate? You know, I don't even know if what they're doing is considered not participating. You mean to tell me by someone getting on the ground that they're not honoring America? How about the person that's talking during the national anthem, folks? How about the person that's over here doing different things and not being still? Because to me, when I was growing up, and it was about the national anthem. It was all about being still. Being still, folks. You know what I'm saying? And putting your right hand over your heart. What if you don't have a right hand? <laughs> it's like, nah. Have we but, gotten uh, to that point? <laughs> <laughs> and now I'm taking your hat off. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I don't got no good shape up, I'm going to keep my hat on personally. You know what I'm saying? If I don't got no haircut. I've left my hat on <laughs> a, a bunch of times during the anthem. You feel me? I'll be out there looking crazy. <laughs> just sneak that hat on, keep that hat on, like hoping nobody see me. Speaking of that, what about Aaron Rodgers when he was talking about the cameraman that uh, were just on the ground? He was like, you know, you got to credit. If we're gonna go that deep into this, folks, you know, you got to start looking at everybody's situation, what they're doing during the anthem. Is everybody stopping? We basically saying the anthem is stop and freeze, folks. Is this what we really coming to? Stop and freeze and look at the flag, stay still, or or die. <laughs> <laughs> or get out in the country. You mean to tell me if I don't pause up for the anthem and do what y'all tell me to do, which is not a formal code in the U.S. Folks, I could, I could understand if when you're growing up, you know, we pledge allegiance to the flag, and that's a great thing because I feel like it builds character as an American when you're growing up. But you don't overreact. When people are sitting down for the national anthem, but how many times have you been in a sporting event and a person wasn't standing up? I'm telling, I've been to NBA games, NFL games, and the person next to you, there's always someone in the area who's not standing up. P, 
PSA. If you have arthritis or anything like that, or in the wheelchair and can't stand up for the anthem, <laughs> get your ass out the country because <laughs> you because you can't be here. <laughs> According to Trump, <laughs> get your ass out the country. You feel me? Like it's I, to that point, folks. I mean, this shit, this shit, this shit is crazy, man. I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's foolishness, man. You know what I'm saying? Um, if I were to go to a game, I mean, I don't know if I would at this time, just you know, because of the crazy shit that's going on. But guess what? I'm gonna sit my ass right in that seat, in section C, seat ten fifteen, whatever the case may be, straight chilling. So let me tell you, I actually got a funny story about that because you know I went to that uh, San Fran game last year with my dad when they came. Oh yeah, yeah, I remember that. The yeah, that, the Carolina game, right? Yep, yep. Okay. So when he came, that was during the whole time where Kaepernick was beginning. You know, the whole sitting down thing. And I just remember seeing everybody boo. They had the camera on him, and they were in Charlotte. Think about that for a second. They had the camera on Colin Kaepernick kneeling in Charlotte as an opposing team. And, you know, I saw – I looked around, and I wanted to see if people were going to be sitting and kneeling. Bruh, some people didn't even look up off their phone. A lot of people didn't even know that the anthem was being played. Folks had headphones in their ears. Some people were coming back from getting nachos. Would you want them to stand straight up at the, while they're on the stairs and adjust themselves? Like, folks, let's get serious now. He's kneeling. People are <laughs> kneeling. They're locking arms. And y'all are using this as a chance to really attack a movement that we should really be addressing from the beginning. Yeah, man, he's kneeling. And then, like, let's think about it, you know. What's more important, standing for an anthem or going to get you a beer? <laughs> nah, on the more on the more serious note, um, <laughs> on, the, on the more on the more serious note, on the more serious note, man. I mean, like you said uh, back then, and you know what you know what's so crazy to me um, that Colin is the poster boy, uh, poster boy for this movement. He's a mixed guy, like mm-hmm. he was adopted by white parents. But he is still going back to his roots, and he's still, you know, kind of recognizing what's happening in the community. And, you know, stuff is not really going to get better until, you know, we stand up. And not just, you know, oh, just silently protest. It, it's not until we actually hit their pockets and actually really affect them. Money talks, you know what I'm saying, at the end of the day, and that's what we have to do, man. We got to hit them pockets where it really matters. You know what I'm saying? We got to hit them where it really matters. And, and shout out to Kaepernick, you know, also my frat brother, you know, putting on for the frat. Um, but we gotta, I feel like as a people, you know what I'm saying, we gotta also start looking at it as, you know, it's not just black and white. Folks, if you're colored, you're colored. Let's just go ahead and get that through, you know what I'm saying? I feel like we tried to give Obama a bad rap because he wasn't all the way black and he was half white. Like, we're doing the same thing with Kaepernick, even though I feel like it has died down a little bit. But at the end of the day, man, these people putting on, they understand they still colored, folks. That, that Hispanic you see walking down the street, they may not have the same struggles that you have, but they they feel a struggle. You know, the same same thing to that, to that white guy, that Caucasian that's out there, you know, trying to make it work. He has not experienced the benefits, that many benefits, I should say, of really being a, a, a prototypical white person. Now, I know that's the word we were trying to avoid during this podcast, but, you know, we, we talking the real to all our white fans, we're not even trying to disrespect y'all. You know we got love for y'all. But at the same time, you know, I feel like until these type of conversations are had, you know, we'll never progress. And I expect, look, if there's a white person listening to this right now 
and you have not had it easy in your life, give us a call. <laughs> Send us a tweet. Send me an email, offthebookspod at gmail.com. Like, we want to hear what you got to say. And I mean, this is off the books, man. This is no holds bar. We're going to talk our shit. You know what I'm saying? We're going to have a good time. We're going to drink. You know, and we're going to talk sports to morning to night time. So, you know, we up here having a good time, but it's definitely, you know, the big elephant in the room that definitely needs to be addressed. You know what I mean? Like, it, it just is what it is. At this point, there's no avoiding it. And um, speaking of that, uh, we was um, chopping up about this earlier. What about your boy from the Steelers? Uh, what's his name? Alejandro Villanueva. Now, I don't know where to start about this. I, I'm kind of on the fence about this. In the sense that he served, was it in four tours in Afghanistan? It was between two and four. Between two or four, right? I can't fully remember all the way. All right, it's between two or four. So, um, first and foremost, we salute you, you know, for the service. And we we thank you for that. You know, so hats off to you. Now, uh, to unleash now. First things first, you know what I mean? And I'm not taking anything away from him, you know what I'm saying? I definitely understand why he did it. But. If you decide to do something as a team, as one unit, I feel like, you know, that should be that. You know what I mean? As a team, you move as a team, you lose as a team, you win as a team. You do everything as one unit. Now, you know, it's going around that I guess he got kind of caught in the huffle and shuffle and just kind of ended up out there and he was out there. The anthem started playing and he just kind of just put his hand over his heart and just started singing because he was already out there. Meanwhile, the rest of his team was in his tunnel. Okay, let's be let's be real. He made the rest of his team look crazy at that point in time. Yeah, yeah, crazy, real crazy. And you know the craziest part about this? Do you know his jersey in the last twenty four, well, thirty six hours now is a top selling jersey in the last thirty six hours? Our offensive lineman, bro, mm-hmm. has a top selling jersey in the last thirty six hours for you know what happened, what occurred on Sunday. Crazy man, like I, I feel like he. You know, he definitely – all right, so it's it's a lot to talk about when it comes to that particular situation. But, you know, I feel like we've already talked about the podcast a lot. So, you know, th- we're not going to go too deep into this, folks, especially with him being a serviceman. We're not trying to disrespect anybody. But, oh, my man, my man, you should have really uh, – it's, it's less about the honor of it. If it was really that big to you, you know what you would have did? You would have went out to the area where can't nobody see you. And you would have stood right there and been in the tunnel but in the back. He wanted to be seen. He wanted to have a camera right on him. And that's my problem with this. I feel like he he didn't want to look bad if the Steelers didn't come out. It was less about actually him really honoring, you know, he could have came out of the locker room came to the lower part of the tunnel. Would nobody have really known? It would have been a special moment for him. I'm still honoring these people. But for you to have to come all the way out to where you had to be seen, you know, and I don't wanna I don't wanna go there with this. You know, I feel like, you know, this is a very touchy subject. You know, even with my pops in the military, but it wasn't a good look. It made the Stillers organization look pretty bad when in reality they could have looked pretty you know, stand up, as ironic as that. You know, they, they could have looked pretty good had they all done it together. And now you can argue that this is almost a, a season-changing moment for them where they they may not be right again after this. 
And, and you know the crazy thing, man. Um, the leader of the team, Mr. Big Ben Roethlisberger, he went and said how he regretted, you know, doing what he did for the anthem, and he wish he would have did this, wish he would have did that. It's all well and cool, but and it's all crazy that you turn it now. What if them same people turned on you when you caught that case back in the day? And, yeah, and y'all know what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, that rape case he caught. He got him a Becky, but you know. When he caught, well, yeah, like when you caught, when you caught that rape case, what if, what if people were turning on you and changing his opinion? Like, eh, nah, I'm good on you, Ben. You know what I'm saying? And I just feel like the kind of move you put, like you trying to appease, um, you know, conservative conservative American who you think your major fan fan base is. But come on, bro, that was that was a you know I can't respect a move like that. Ben, your fan is more the average person than almost any other fan or than any other player in the NFL. I would say. There are more average, casual people that are Big Ben fans than, like, hardcore fans. In fact, folks, if you talk to a lot of hardcore football fans, they can give you problems with Big Ben all day. And it's always going to end with, but he got the rings, but he can move out of the pocket, but he's hard to tackle, he can make a decent throw. Like, at the end of the day, you know, Ben, you know, you got to just clean up all around. You know, you don't have a perfect track record. None of us do. So I understand if you're trying to make sure that your image is definitely of the highest level, but let's not let's not demean your team because Ben also made his team look really bad by saying that he that they should have been out there. He wishes he was out there. And you the leader of the team talking shit like that. Come on, man. Like, and it's not even like you've been playing spectacular. Like you just lost to the Chicago Bears. You know what I mean? And that loss, I actually contribute to you since you want to throw your team under the bus. I'm going to, you know, be real critical of your play on the field now. You know what I mean? So, don't – come on, Ben. You you better than that, my man. Don't do that. Don't throw your team under the bus. As leader of the team, y'all decided what y'all was going to do. Um, stick with that. Roll as a team. Like I said, you win as a team, you lose as a team. But it's as a team, man. You do everything as one unit, my G. Shout out to Aaron Rodgers, you know, really leading the Packers up there, not only just on the field, but, like, really in that whole protest movement. You know, he's a deep guy, and I'm not just saying that as a Packers fan, but I think even the average, you know, person or just even a real good sports fan, I feel like they know how deep Aaron Rodgers thinks. You know, this man approaches it a whole nother. Have have you ever seen a quarterback this conscious? Like, seriously? He's more conscious than some of the black quarterbacks that we have. He's been more outspoken about this than the black quarterbacks in this league, folks. Let that sink in. And speaking of being outspoken, what is your thoughts on, like, everybody now chiming in saying, oh, what the president say was divisive or he's dividing the country, whatever the case may be, like, your Tom Brady's joining in now and all these quarterbacks and <clears throat> owners and whatnot basically saying, you know, like, now they just hopping on the bandwagon saying, oh, yeah, you know, I'm with my teammates and all this kind of stuff. What's your, what's your thoughts on that, man? It's too little, too late. I think I don't think it's legit, man. I think it's just like, oh, they kind of have to. It's more of a PR move. You know what I mean? Like, oh, you know, at the end of the day, I'm rocking with my team type of ordeal. They wanted to make sure it was generally respected, what they were about to say. You know, people like Tom Brady like to, like to feel the mood of the people. Like, oh, even though he called us sons of bitches, like, is that – was that was that okay for America? And then when he saw that America didn't really like it for the most part, then he adjusted. I mean, that's that's basically 
perfect idea and definition of privilege. Speaking of, you remember when Tom Brady won the Super Bowl last year and he declined? Um, they didn't go to the White House. Trump didn't say anything about that. Nothing. Um, as soon as your boy Steph hesitated a little bit, he acted like a little teenage girl talking about, oh, nah, you can't come now. Like, come on, Trump. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Oh, you hesitating? Oh, nah, nah, nah. I'm good on you. Yeah, Trump Trump is wilding, bro. Like, he's get your president, B. He's, he strikes me as someone that when you were growing up, like, you really wanted to tell him off, you know what I'm saying? Pretty much go at his, go go at his ego, really tell him some stuff that he wasn't used to hearing, but, you know, he checked off the boxes. My man had the money, he was getting the women, and I just feel like his whole life, he's never really been G-checked, and that's a dangerous thing, folks. That is dangerous. If you go your whole life not getting G-checked, all you gonna do is G check people. Yeah, man, this this is crazy, man. I'm interested to seeing, you know, um, what kind of perspires going forward, or how everybody do. I think hopefully they don't get scary and everybody starts standing all all of a sudden. Oh, let's just lock arms for unity, man. Fuck that punk shit, man. You know what I'm saying? Not every because I'm gonna tell you what's gonna happen. They gonna get a little bit more and a little bit more every week. Then it's gonna be. Full stand, like then it's gonna be okay. Let's just you know we're losing fans. Let's stand and put our hand over our hearts, and it's gonna be full out blast. You did exactly what he wanted in the first place. Yep, it's gonna look like he the hero. You know, at this point, I'm not even gonna dwell on it anymore as far as uh, the whole Trump thing goes because that man about to be in office for another three years, bro. And we usually wouldn't even dive into politics like that. I mean, this is a strictly sports uh, podcast, but sports and politics has been intertwined so much in, within these past few weeks that it's almost unavoidable. You know what I mean? So, I mean, that sports and politics has been almost on one accord this past week. It's been a crazy week, but you know what else happened this week? Oh, Lord, man. And I, he's my man, so I hate it. it had to be him, Mr. Rick. Mr. Rick Pitino, Louisville. Ah, oh, man, I I don't even know where to start about this. First and foremost, let me let me clear my throat for this because we talked about this kind of in our pre-show preparing for the show. Man, he really he just got caught. You know what Basically. I mean? The whole system is flawed and it's been flawed for numerous years. People are just now coming out starting to snitch. Man, I mean, he got caught last year for that quote unquote. Was last year, a couple of years ago, whatever the case may be, the last scandal he was involved in, where the yeah, they were saying he was bringing strippers, you know, into the dorm rooms to you know have sex with you know current players and prospective players or recruits they had coming in, which is crazy, man. Why are people starting to rat all crazy? Like, like people wasn't paying prospects, you know, from the beginning of time. I mean, let's be let's be honest, folks. When it comes to that type of conversation, um, your favorite college. Is doing something shady. Your favorite system that you know you like to follow. I'm not gonna name any universities because we don't want to get in any type of trouble. At the end of the day, we still gotta get approved by iTunes. <laughs> so you know it's 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 a funny situation because like you said, he just got caught. The man has clearly been running this type of program for years, and you know it makes you wonder and realize at the same time why people were going to Louisville. You know, if if you went to Louisville, you were taken care of by upper management in other ways than what you were going to be taken care of by other uh, actual schools. You know, when you got a coach approving 
that you can bring a stripper to the dorm room. Bro, we both went to college. If Even if the RA would have told me I could bring a stripper into that area and chill <laughs> and not have to worry about nothing, you know, I know there's ways that we can do it, but that's just the level that it was at, folks. Imagine your RA allowing you to do something like that. Yeah, that's crazy, man. And these guys are like 17, 18 years old. Imagine you 18 years old, chilling, new recruit. You come from a small school, but you're like, you know, basically like a big fish in a small pond. But you come to a, like a, a big school, a big university, and they just kind of basically turn you the hell out. You know what I mean? They bring a stripper, you know, that's stacked in front of you. What you going to do? You know what I mean? At 17, 18 years old, and all you've been doing your whole life has been protected and playing basketball. You know what I mean? It's 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 crazy, but you know the craziest thing about this is the beginning of time. Hell, you played AAU basketball, or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it, it, you know when you was a kid, let's say you didn't have something or whatever the case may be, would the AAU coach not take care of certain expenses for you? You know what I'm saying? Stuff like that would not put like money in your pocket. You know, as a kid, whatever the case may be, they make sure you're good as a human. You know what I'm saying? They don't know everything that you need, but they have a general idea. Look, folks. Other men that are in higher positions, they try to take care of other guys in other positions. And that's why this whole bro code thing really started, you know, probably thousands and millions of years ago. It was because the guy said, I'd rather take care of the guy than really, you know, look out for the woman. Which is a sad, you know, ideology to have. But once again, this is off the books, folks. So we're just kind of giving it to y'all raw right now. Now... We can't go this whole podcast without talking about the girls who are a part of that. You know, we feel for y'all. Y'all should not have had to subject yourself to that type of, you know, lifestyle, even if it was all fun and games then. These these girls are going to have to look back in 10, 15 years when they've got families and they've got kids. And, you know, they're going to be forever entitled or not entitled, but they're they're forever going to be enwrapped and engulfed in this scandal. I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right, um, you know, shout out to them, but, you know, we'll shout y'all out in the next R&B song. <laughs> nah, nah, on a serious note, <laughs> on, a, on a more serious note, you know what I'm saying, if you're not familiar with the um, current Patino thing, so um, basically what happened, um, he was basically caught on videotape, quote unquote, um, that involved an assistant, um, and basically they were discussing an Adidas back plan to funnel money um, to the family of recruit. Who would then agree to sign with Adidas, um, and then it was basically sponsored by Louisville. And then, like, basically after the assistant left the room, according to federal documents, a former sports agent and the director of Adidas AAU program continued talking with the undercover agent and a cooperating federal witness about the hundred thousand dollar payoff to the family of a Louisville recruit. Now, my thing is this, yo, why is NCAA so hard on you know? Basically, these players and stuff like this that happens when you're paying, you know, these coaches are getting, you know, millions and millions of dollars to coach these, you know, players. Why does it matter so much? Why are y'all so controlling over these college players who have needs and stuff like that? You know what I'm saying? Simply, you know, I guess, you know, a sponsor you know, was kind of looking at the player and, you know, wanting to sign the player after, you know, after joining Louisville, whatever the case may be. Dude just trying to better his family, man. You, you know, you don't know what type of space his family is in or, you know, what kind of financial situation they're in. I mean. Never blame the recruit 
for when this type of stuff goes on because we would all do the same thing if we were in that position, folks. If some guy was coming in there and he was going to tell you that he could take you to this school and, you know, you start playing the bargain game. This is a job to him. This is a job. He's going to negotiate. Until that person he's talking to tells him that he cannot have that because that's against the rules. I'm sure someone's doing it out there. I'm sure there's some honest program. And, and I know I said earlier that your, your, your favorite school is, is doing something shady. But guess what? There's one, there's somebody out there, maybe even a few, doing it right. But are they, you know, reaping the rewards off of it? Maybe they should be fucking out. Exactly. No, that, that's just, I mean, that, and that's the real point you made there. You know, the schools that's maybe playing by the book, are they the schools really competing for a national championship every year? I mean, that's something to really ponder on. Because let's think about it. All right, we all seen he got game with Jesus Shuttlesworth. You know what I'm saying? We was Jesus Jesus Shuttlesworth in that case, and I'm sure we all familiar with that scene uh, when he went to college. I think it was like it was a fictitious college, but I think it was like Big State. I think it was called whatever the case may be, yeah. something like that. But we seen when he linked up with, with Rick Fox on there, what happened? And and let's just be real. I mean, it's just an unwritten rule. We know what happens behind closed doors. You know what I'm saying? I think it's just another. One of those things where NCAA is really trying to crack down on it. And I'm not making any excuses for uh, Rick Pitino, although he is a legend coach and a Hall of Fame coach, in my opinion, strictly. I don't know if he's Hall of Fame anymore. I mean, it's definitely going to be a, a mark on his record. But if you just go off, you know, his wins and losses and what he's done for the game, I mean, I think his resume speaks for itself. Outside of his off-the-court issues, his on-the-court resume speaks for itself, in my opinion. He's probably still going to go down in history because of all the, the wins, you know, at the end of the day. Wins are what really remembered above other things. Uh, the story of Rick Pitino is a sad story. You know, I was reading an article online, uh, actually on ESPN, you know, and they were, the first sentence in the article said that Rick Pitino was a colossal failure. And which is, which is, I don't, I don't agree with that, man. So would you... Okay, let me ask you this: Would you put this on the same scale as how they did kind of um, Joe Paterno in that um, Sandusky case? You know, I don't want to, I don't want to touch back on it, but I mean, if you know what happened, you kind of know what happened, and you know how that kind of, you know, he was a. So was he not a legend coach before this incident? No, I think the Joe Paterno thing was definitely that. That was on another level. You I know, mean, it's on a whole, it's on a whole other level. And I feel like he got dragged, you know. The media did not let the paternal family live through that. Right. And my whole, my whole thing of bringing that up, it was just saying that how one thing, you know, off the court just can just affect the whole outlook of, you know, of how you looked at by the public. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go back to what we originally was talking about. So, you know, is um, Rick's, is his resume really tarnished by this, you think? No. Uh, yeah, because this, I mean, that's what goes on, man. I mean, let's be real. Do you honestly think these top prospects, you know, just come everything clean? They go to class like every other regular student. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's, just, let's just, we're having a real moment right now. You think oh, they yeah. You think they just have a smooth transition to college just like everybody else? You think they go to classes like everybody else? No special privileges. They just kind of just there and just so have to be playing their respective sports. If they even have class, a lot of them be having online classes. They have people sit in for them. I know because we knew a lot of college athletes when we were in school. 
you know, and we heard we heard about the whole scandal with um, Chapel Hill. You know what I'm saying? When they, the, the whole academic stuff, which you know, state classes. Yeah. So I said to say this, man. It's it's just one of those things. Like these kids are coming to these schools to do one thing, and that's to play sports. I mean, that's that's to be real. I mean, it's good to get there, and I think you should get your education along with it. You know what I'm saying? So you can have a, a backup plan in case you know you get injured or you don't make it um, to a league. I mean, in respect of sport, but at the end of the day, when you're a top prospect going to these, you know, big Division One schools, you're going to play sports, and there's certain perks that everybody knows come with being a big prospect going into these Division One schools. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing how NCAA basketball progresses with this, but I got a prediction for you. I actually believe. This is not the end of the FBI dealing with the NCAA. They oh. are they are about to go after NCAA football. They are going to rip its throat out, folks. If you thought this was bad, some real explosive programs about to get get gone out by the FBI. But not nah, it's uh, I mean that's real shit though, man. I mean now they really about to start cracking down. You know what I mean? Trying to be real like nosy like. You know what I'm saying? Trying to have taps on everything. There was no regulation. You know, now it's just, it's just going to be ridiculous, man. I mean, what can you do, though? Just now they're going to make you try to play uh, clear by the book. And if you can't, just keep rats out your circle. Keep rats out of your um, team, man. Because it still goes on. But it's just certain people. It's just, you know, people getting caught because people are now telling. You know what I mean? It just is what it is, man. I mean, hey. We'll see as time goes. You know, I'm interested to see how it goes. But um, it was some other big news happening. Oh, <laughs> the mergers of the two new super teams, them Cleveland Cavaliers and and what you call in the last podcast actually, them Oklahoma City Thunder. Hey, shout out to you. Um, I believe this was uh this was sometime last week, um, when we shot. Matter of fact, I think it was last Tuesday. You did call uh, Melo going to OKC, so I'm gonna give you a shout out and on folks, the podcast. We didn't upload it. Yeah, we didn't upload it. But uh, you know, Scott's on her. You know what I mean. I wouldn't lie on the henny. You know what I'm saying. Let's, like I said, I would, I would, I would, I wouldn't lie on the henny. Um, I would, I just, would, I wouldn't. You know what I mean. But yeah, you did call that last Tuesday. But let, I'm just gonna touch on OKC because we know just to start off. Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a deadly squad, and not just on 2K. That that is a deadly squad, and you know my thing is. I think Westbrook, in my opinion, would have to be a little less ball dominant. If they have more flow to the offense, this offense can definitely be <laughs> potent, boy. Real potent. This offense is something special because you now have, you know, when Russell Westbrook has help, you get the feeling in the sense that now those 10 assists mean something. That's actually going to someone that's going to make a difference in winning a game and not just you know, really put up a point. I'm anxious to see Paul George communicate with Russell Westbrook on the court. I'm anxious to see Carmelo um, really build into his power forward role because we we know Melo. He's not a confrontational guy. Uh, we watched a rookie dominate that Knicks team, and Melo, you know, he made a fuss every now and then, but for the most part, he was very quiet. He was very embracing of the moment. Now, I think that that has also led him to believe and know that he's not the guy anymore. 
He can just focus on basketball, like he said. And you know I've never really been, been a big Melo fan, but I like the combination. I like the trio. You know, if you had the two, three scorers to be on the same team, does it really get much better? Uh, I mean, you got you got a good point. Scorers, maybe not. Like, just strictly scoring the basketball and getting buckets and putting the ball in the hoop, then, yeah, maybe not. It doesn't get better than those three. But I just want to – I'm interested in the dynamic of how they actually work together as a unit. You know what I'm saying? I don't see – do you still see, you know, your boy Westbrook averaging a triple-dub this year? No. You know, you know what I'm saying? I mean, stats are slowly, you know, going to go down. But um, I don't see the camaraderie between the three, man. You have, um, you know, Westbrook at top of the key. You have two dynamic wing players that has each other to rely on now. And you still have um, Big Adams down low. You know what I mean? It's, it's an interesting dynamic to see, man. I'm excited for this NBA season. And, you know, I'm locked and loaded, ready to go. Man, between Russ passing... Russ rebounding, Russ scoring, it's still going to be the same level of Russ we're going to see, folks. You know, now it's just going to be, instead of uh, Robertson, Robertson, I forgot his last name, but, you know, it ends in son. Robertson, Andre Robertson. Boy, you play like somebody's son because you don't, you know, how can you go that long in a league and not really build an offensive game? (laughs) You know, I, I... I hate criticizing NBA players because I feel like they can get better at any time. You wake up, folks, and, you know, there's an NBA player. He doesn't got a different skill set. But, you know, Andre, you got to – you are to blame almost for this whole reason you didn't go that far in the playoffs. Had you been a scoring uh, positional player, you didn't even have to do that much. You could have been – Cephalosha, you could have been someone like that, but because you weren't and you were just a good defender, you know, you cost your team and now, you know, you, you got replaced, Paul George, Melo there. You're going to see your minutes, but, you know, it's time to really progress forward. And I'm anxious now to really see the Cavs because we're talking about a team that's got some some serious uh, – <laughs> Elderly skills Let's put it that way They're going to be able to really bully Some other teams I think you'll see a lot of bully ball from the Cavs And I think that that experience Is going to be you know A good difference maker Can they last all these games Is their bench that deep I still think that first round pick That they got chilling in the pocket Is really going to pay dividends Because they're going to need One young player Folks the Cavs are one young player away from not just beating Golden State, but beating them pretty handily. Yeah, and then just to kind of um touch on your uh point about Andre Roberson, he does have making ten million a year, and that doesn't you know <laughs> hurt either. Making thirty million for three years. Buy a gym, boy. And my Stephen A. voice, but um yeah, as far as the Cavs are concerned, honestly, in my opinion, I think they're absolutely stacked. Yeah, they're aged. You know, LeBron is you know up there in age. You know, D Wade. He's up there. He came in the same year LeBron did. And we all know his knee injuries and knee history. So, you know what I'm saying? That's no secret as well as, like, D-Rose. But in my opinion, you know, their bench is pretty deep. You know, um, they're going to start, I believe, D-Rose probably till about January till Isaiah comes back, I would say, depending on what kind of flow he's in. And then when Isaiah comes back from injury, P. 
peep this lineup. It's just a bench, man. You're gonna have just the bench players. You're gonna have D Rose, um, Crawford. Um, you're gonna have uh, Jr. Jr. Kyle Corver, Shannon Fry, <laughs> Jose Calderon, all coming off the bench, bro. That's bro. That is um a crazy bench, bro. That's a deep bench, bro. It's deep. It's effective, and it's full of guys with playoff experience. Uh, <laughs> you know, the regular season gonna be funny to watch. I'm actually more interested in watching some of the regular season with the Cavs than I am watching. The uh the playoffs because I got a feeling they just gonna kind of cruise through the playoffs. Too much experience. They're gonna know when to play hard, when to take their foot off the gas. Um, but in the regular season, I'm anxious to see if they're gonna take every game serious. I mean, with as much age they have and depth as they have, I think like you said, they'll just pretty much just cruise through the regular season. You know, I, the first couple of games I think it'd be exciting, and if like you know those big games, if they play like the Warriors, or if they play on Christmas, or if they play like. You know, Boston, like certain teams they play, I think they'll get up for. Other than that, they're playing like, you know, like the Dallas Mavericks on a Wednesday night. I think they'll, you know, kind of maybe melon in or just kind of cruise. 85 to 78. You know what I'm saying? It just be one of them games where they just kind of chill out. But they're definitely, they lost Kyrie. But if you look at, oh, you know what else we forgot? They got Jeff Green coming off the bench too, my man. Yo, he's no slouch. Yo, bro, they are here to stay, man. They... This year, and you know what? I was watching um uh, Wade last year. He didn't honestly look too bad. Like, when he was playing. 18 points a game. You feel me? When he was playing actually on the court balling, he was balling. Like, he was hitting that. His, his mid-range jumper just seemed to have got a little bit better. You know, he has to rely on that more because he doesn't have as, you know, much quickness and burst as he did when he was, you know, known as the Flash. Uh, but now, you know, he's starting to rely on that mid-range jumper. You know, he'll, he'll, he'll give you a three here or there. But the Cavs now are pretty stacked, man. I think that definitely put them in the forefront of the East. I know when people were kind of um, mentioning, you know, uh, maybe Boston would give them a run for the Eastern Conference. And uh, I think that kind of tilts the uh, leverage back in the Cavs, in my opinion. You know, I'm not that high up on Boston as uh, a lot of people are. Personally, I think this is the year of John Wall, Mr. Dougie himself. Folks, John Wall is better than you think he is, and he's going to show you all this year. John Wall has gotten better every year, and I got a feeling to get to the Eastern Finals, John Wall will have to pretty much single-handedly, you know, even though I like Bill, I like Oubre, they got a nice little squad over there. But you will witness how John Wall makes his statement as what, the best point guard in the East? I think he's the best point guard in the East. So right now, uh, today on this podcast, you would give Wall the edge over Kyrie right now. Not on a resume, but in overall talent, ability, yes. I mean, okay, yeah, we all know John Wall is probably the fastest guy in the NBA. You know what I'm saying? It, yeah, I would go ahead and say he's the fastest guy in the NBA. You know, he can rise up. You know, he's pretty good on defense. He's always in the top five and, you know, steals. You know, he runs the offense pretty good, pretty great, actually. Averages about 10 to 12 assists. <laughs> he's going to he gonna get you about 10 dimes, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's no question. You know, I just want to see – I just want to see his shot – not really his shot selection improve, but his actual shot in itself. If John Wall knocks down that mid-range consistently – 
unstoppable. Unstoppable, man. In the end, it's still going to come down to who can beat LeBron James. And <laughs> and now he's playing with his best friend. He's playing he's playing with um, D-Wade. And we remember what happened, you know, when LeBron and D-Wade back in Miami. That, Oops for days. That combination was deadly, man. And now you add a Kevin Love, who I think you called in an earlier podcast that he's, his emergency is definitely going to step up and have a you know increased role this year. You have a Tristan Thompson who, hell, he might be the best offensive rebounder in the game. You know what I mean? And then you have sharpshooters. You have Smith. You have um, Corver. You have Jeff Green. And then you have, I think D. Rose is going to, you know, pretty, pretty, pretty good off the bench this year. I think he's going to step it up big time. Then you have IT4, Isaiah, who was averaging damn near 30 last year almost. <laughs> Starting that point, bro, that is deadly, bro. It's a dangerous squad for real. And I got an interesting prediction on Kevin Love. Um, I believe he will get up above 20 points again. And, you know, this is off the books. Let's go ahead and make a bold prediction. I think Kevin Love got potential to lead that team in scoring because I think LeBron will not necessarily be doing as much scoring as usual. I believe we'll see LeBron James average a triple-double. You heard it here first, man. Oh, if he does that, you know what's crazy? I'm seeing more optimism from LeBron coming into this season than I think I've ever seen from him. In a year where he's thinking about leaving, folks. It's, it, he got some up his sleeve, man. Uh, I'm going to call it now. It's definitely going to be a Cavs-Warriors, you know. What it would it be, part four? Part four. That shit would be crazy, bro. That shit would be crazy. But, you know what I'm saying? We done talked our shit. Before we leave, we got your boys, Green Bay, and we got the Bears tomorrow night. Um, you know, on um, or is it? What, yeah, it's tomorrow. Tomorrow night. night. Yep, tomorrow night. Yep, Thursday, and they playing in Green Bay, correct? I believe so. All right, now they got y'all as eight point favorites. Um, yep. So it looks like the Bulls got y'all as eight point favorites, and y'all got the uh, over and under as well. Let's see what we have the over. Okay, so we actually got y'all at forty eight. So, what is your prediction? As unbiased as you can, what's your prediction on your um, Green Bay Bears? Like I said, Green, Green Bay, Bay Green Bay versus Bears. Excuse me. So Green Bay um, versus Chicago. Green Bay's eight point favorites. Forty eight over under. What's your prediction? You know, I'm glad we we gonna end the segment with this. And you know, folks, we definitely are gonna do the picks podcast. Uh, definitely coming probably Friday. Uh, that'll be aired out for y'all. But as far as this game goes. I would definitely say um, I don't – I have to be a real analyst. Green Bay has not really gave me the the uh, the punch in the stomach that I'm used to seeing. So I don't think they're going to make the spread. I think what they're going to do is they're going to have a, a pretty good game. You know, they're going to always put the pressure on the Bears. They're probably going to be up by 17 almost the whole game. And then it's going to come down to typical Green Bay things where a few plays lead to this. A special team's return for a touchdown leads to that. And before you know it, it goes from being 17-3 to to 17-17. to And then Aaron Rodgers will have to come out, and we'll, we'll be talking about how the Bears led in time of possession and how when you got Aaron Rodgers, you never really added a game. Uh, right now, the Packers just don't strike me as – that team that is able to beat someone by about eight right now. You know, we're to eight points? This is off the books. 
Now, if you beat a team by eight points, you are very much uh, dominating that game. I'm not going to say you're the better team, but, you know, we've seen the Bears do good. We've seen them with Howard, seen Mr. Aggie Pride himself with Tariq, you know, Mr. Cohen. Like, it's it's going to be an interesting game. Uh, it also doesn't surprise me if the Packers were to lose this. Bears got a lot of explosion on offense, but the Bears – you know, they don't know how to win yet. And you can make an argument that in order to beat the Packers, you're going to have to know how to win. So I got the Packers uh, not making the spread. So I would obviously have to choose the Bears, plus eight. As far as the over and under goes, uh, I think we're looking at a 20-17 to 17 game. Okay, I like that. Uh, you know, that, that was definitely a good pick, especially since you are a Packers fan. Did you know that, um, I don't know if you knew this, but – between the history between you guys or the Packers and the Bears, I actually tied 94-94 and then six ties. So, 94 wins, 94 losses. So, it's crazy. I got the same amount as winning losses in that rivalry. But, you know, it's kind of crazy. You know, they're coming off a short week. You know what I mean? The Bears are coming off a high. They just beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. Um, Yeah, I know you guys, the Packers coming off a win, too. You know, y'all kind of um, sketched out the win at the end. Aaron's first overtime win, by the way. Yeah. So, I mean, they definitely got that win against, who was it, Cincinnati? Is yep. that who y'all played? Okay. Now, this is my thing. I think the last time you guys played, um, Packers and the Bears, I think y'all exited out by like three, right? It was like 30-27 or something like that last year. Mm-hmm. Man, I'm on the fence about this. This is for a couple of reasons. For one, I feel like the Packers feel like they haven't played to their full potential. And then, um, in addition, I feel like maybe the Bears, I don't know. I mean, hell, their running game is looking pretty damn good between Thunder and Lightning is what they call themselves, um, Jordan Howard and Tariq, Tariq Cohen, who's been an absolute beast this year. But uh, when I, when I kind of look at that, look at y'all defense, um, look at the Bears quarterback play, and the fact that y'all have y'all eight at Lambeau, you know what? I'm not putting no type of trust in uh, Mike Glennon. You know, I'm going to go up the ladder. Um, I guess I play devil's advocate, and I'm going to go Green Bay to actually cover that spread. I can actually see y'all winning by 10. I can see a 27-17 um, game type of deal. Um, I don't know, man. I, I just see y'all bounce back. I don't think y'all like really that satisfied with how y'all beat Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Um, and Because y'all was clearly the, you know way better than Cincinnati. I and mean, I just feel like y'all put a more complete game together. And I just feel like y'all be more prepared coming off a short week than the Bears will. So I'm going to take y'all 27-17. I'm taking Green Bay to cover that spread. I like the pick. Uh, you know, that means that 27-17, let me do my numbers. That's 44. So, yeah, that that would, would be the under, right? That would be the under. So, okay, yeah. So we'll do that. So I guess I'm rocking with the under as well. And I'm going to take uh, those Green Bay Packers 27-17 tomorrow. I like it, folks, you know. We will see. When you got Aaron Rodgers, you can do anything. Uh, the Bears got a whole new team, pretty much. You know, that's a whole new squad. <laughs> so they're going to have to come out and really ball out on a veteran Packers team that has proven that they can win games. Uh, you know, this was a fun podcast. Uh, this, we, this was we, our funnest one yet, man. Yeah, you know, we, we're going to provide y'all the picks uh, coming up. You know, stay tuned. We appreciate y'all for always tuning in. So, we'll be back. Like I said, we're going to, you know, hit you with a picks podcast Friday. We're going to get back and, um, you know, kind of recap the rest of the games that's happening on Sunday so you can be prepared to beat the book. But until then, 
We'll holla at you. You know what I'm saying? Be fresh, be you, and ball out. And just like that, we out. Cheer. Call my mama.